Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of Kyo Cinema. Today we're covering Dragon Ball Z colon Tree of Might. Yes, which if I remember correctly, you said was like one of your favorite Dragon Ball Z movies from way back in the day. You were like, this is absolutely the best. I remember it being the best. It's going to be the best. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> you can turn the podcast off now. It doesn't hold up very well. It's. I think it's one of those things too where like, Maybe this is one that I saw a lot or was the first Dragon Ball Z movie that I saw, whatever the case is, primacy, recency, nostalgia, something like way elevated this movie in my mind and watching it and and then having to watch it two or three more times, it was kind of brutal, I'm not going to lie. It felt like fighting Turles, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I, uh, and I was really upset about it, too, because... I I really sat down into this. I, I mean, I, when we uh, did the rating for the world's strongest, I I think I had said, or maybe it was the one before that, Dead Zone. It was the one where I had said, "There's a handful of movies that I think I'm gonna rate higher than Dead Zone," which we rated fairly highly. Uh, and this was this was gonna be one of those, but it is not. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, things don't hold up after 20 years of of time, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all fun. Listen, as part of the process of having this podcast, we knew, we knew going into this that there were going to be some duds. Oh, for sure. Uh, but, and like earlier on at different times, we even named what we thought some of those might be. Um, well, this one just didn't make that list until now. <laughs> and, and to be fair to the movies, we have the advantage of watching all of them fairly closely together. So it's very easy to go, yeah, Tree of Might wasn't great, especially in comparison to Dead Zone or or what have you. I mean, what when you watch all these movies back to back to back, it makes it really easy to kind of see the flaws in them. You know what I mean? I would say, too, that when I was a teenager, a Dragon Ball Z movie was a much bigger deal to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still like when, when Dragon Ball Super Broly came out, I was as hype as anybody on the planet. You know, like I still get excited about them. Um, but I think that that is even as excited as I was, it was muted compared to when I was a kid and walked into the comic shop and found this thing on DVD or VHS. And totally. was like, oh no, dude, dope, another Dragon Ball Z thing. Like yeah. when I was just consuming Dragon Ball content all the time uh, in, in for not podcast reasons, just because it was part of my life. Like as, as the cultural zeitgeist does, Toonami exploded and all that kind of stuff. For sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about you, but, you know, growing up, I was in a small rural area that like not a whole lot of other kids watched anime or read manga or had even heard about Dragon Ball Z. So like I didn't see the movies out there in the wild. Like, I, you know, I didn't see any of that stuff. And now, I mean, everybody knows who Goku is. Like everybody. Dragon Ball Z is everywhere. You know, I remember when I bought the tickets to go see, um, I guess, the first movie that came out in theaters to me, which was Battle of the Gods, and being like, holy cow, I'm in a theater watching Dragon Ball Z. Like, I never, ever in my life thought this would happen. So it's it's pretty cool. It is. It's amazing. And it's still fun to, to rewatch these, even though I know at some point in my life I'd seen all these and that I have um, impressions about all of them right now, even having not seen mo most of them for dozens of years. And it's kind of it's kind of interesting, even if a little disappointing, to sit down and and have this fresh experience and go, man, I had that one all wrong in my brain. Somehow. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, before we get started into Tree of Might, uh, I just want to say, you know, with Kyle Cinema being a new-ish podcast, we would love it if everyone out there that enjoyed the show, enjoyed the last episode, and about to enjoy this one, would leave us a kind iTunes review. So far, uh, Kyle Cinema has one review, and it's me. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know that every podcast does that, but this one does. I review our stuff, and it's a good review. It's five stars, oh, nice. which, like... If it was a Dragon Ball Z movie, not cream of the crop, but because that's all that iTunes, that's just the highest iTunes lets us go, then that's what it is. Well, if, like I said, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. It really helps get the show out there. We would love it. Help spread the show out to the world. Uh, but otherwise, let's uh, jump into Tree of Might. What do you say, Atkins? Let's do it. So Tree of Might debuted in Japan July 7th, 1990, which was just a handful of months after The World's Strongest, which debuted March 10th of that same year. Um, and placing this on a timeline is just as tricky as ever because it's supposedly after the Saiyan saga, but somehow before Namek. Yeah. And but like people that are supposed to be dead right now, all of them are alive. It's <laughs> so real it's frustrating. Just... Like none of it makes any sense. It has to like if you want to canonically place it, it has to be after they've landed on Namek, but before they fight Frieza. Yeah, in uh, fact, um, they. In syndication, they split this movie up into three episodes, and we'll talk about this more towards the end of the uh, the episode of Kaio Cinema. Um, and they did air it between two episodes that took place on Namek somehow, which, like, if I had seen that on television, how jarring must that have been to people who are watching those in sequence on television? <laughs> that's true, yeah. I didn't realize that they had done it that way, uh, which, that's pretty nuts. Like, I can't, yeah, how, you can't even piece that together. There's no way. No, it's, but, it had to have been jarring, and I'm sure that people on the internet were asking all sorts of questions. They had to have been. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I will talk about my theory on the timeline when we get to the end of the episode, but you're right. Placing it is very difficult. As it has been with pretty much all of these. But this one opens up with some weird kind of ship heading towards Earth. It uh, looks like a ball with like three long prongs sticking out of the it's end. A, it's a probe. Yeah, probe. That's the, yeah, that's the that's the term. Because at first I was like, that's a weird looking Saiyan pod, but it's not. <laughs> it totally is a probe. Yeah, it's a probe. But it's headed towards Earth. It crashes into Earth, and and as it's crashing in, we see the gang, right? Like Krillin, Bulma, Oolong, and Gohan. They're all camping, uh, and Gohan shows up in this crazy backpack, like full of random stuff, because his mom wanted him to be prepared. So he's got like schoolwork, and he's got this machine that will help him learn at night, and he's got camping gear and medical gear and vitamins and like. The list just goes on and on and on and on. It's pretty ridiculous. Uh, but in the middle of the night, it's all pitch black. They're sleeping. This probe hits the earth. It crash lands. And when it does, I guess it's so hot that it causes some of the surrounding trees to catch on fire, which wakes up Krillin. And he subsequently wakes up the rest of the gang. And they decided that they've got to put out the fire. But they do it in kind of a weird way. Like Krillin grabs Gohan. And they stand out in the middle of the forest and they flex their powers. And that apparently puts out fires. Yeah, I think that this was kind of a callback to the original, well, one of the original uses of the Kamehameha, right? Remember yeah. when Chi-Chi had to go and try to get this magical fan from Roshi, but he doesn't have it, so he goes to Fire Mountain or Frying Pan Mountain, depending on your uh, dub or, or sub, and puts it out with a Kamehameha. That's kind of what I felt like this was a callback That's to. That's a good reference. I, I hadn't considered that, because they're just powering up. They're not even firing key blasts. And it's yeah, also... Yeah, there's no, there's no light, but they're... There are like waves right. that are emitted from their body that are sh depicted visually, at least. And there's even a scene here that's kind of wonky because we see this dragon who uh, becomes more important to the movie later on. But he gets trapped under a tree and Gohan rescues him, but then immediately cuts back and he's screaming in the middle of the forest. So 
in my mind, visually, I am imagining Gohan and Krillin taking like turtle steps through this forest, powering up slowly, bringing down the fires and rescuing anything in their way. But I don't know that I would call them successful because by the time they're done, there's no trees or anything left. Like to the point where they're like, wow, the whole forest is burnt down everything. And I've got a funny note here because Krillin in, in one of the versions that I watched just says, well, this stinks. And I'm like, well, that's a bold statement coming from the one guy without a nose. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, and while this forest is burning, all sorts of regular forest animals are fleeing, and then there's that one dragon. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, like, stu- stood out. I guess maybe the dinosaurs that we know inhabit uh, Earth, this version of Earth anyway, stick to the plains, maybe? I don't know. Um, but yeah, Gohan rescues this dragon. It's a purple dragon, but it's not Spyro. More hollering to put the fire out. Smokey Bear would be proud. And then there's this conversation that takes place where Gohan, at least in the English uh, Funimation dub, says, I wish there was something we could do to help. Right. And they're they're like mopey for, and I timed this. I went back and I was like, okay, for how long are they completely incompetent and stupid? 14 seconds after using <laughs> the word wish, they stood around looking at their toes, trying to figure out how they could fix this. And not once in those 14 seconds. It took 14 seconds for them to be like, wish, oh yeah, we have those magical dragon balls that will actually grant a wish. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> it was, the reason all of us are friends. Yeah, right. It was. <laughs> I was like, what? You used the word. Why is this taking so long? Yeah, that's really funny. I got to say, though, this is when they transition into the opening theme song. If you're not watching the ocean dub, if you're watching the ocean dub, it starts off with Rock the Dragon, goes right into the movie. If you're watching the Funimation dub, it opens up to all of this and then cuts into the opening. And they do the thing I love where they animated the opening and made it relevant to the story. Yes. So it's just the crew going out and like collecting Dragon Balls. And it's just a short, like what, two and a half minute opening or so where they're doing that. Like that alone gave this movie a 0.5 stars to begin with for me. I still got beef with it, though, because a a significant portion of the opening is Gohan running from a dinosaur and then falling down a cliff and then trying to outrun lava. And I'm like, bro, you can fly right now. What are you doing? (laughs) The whole time that was driving me crazy. Even if he couldn't fly at this point in time, he would have uh, Nimbus. So he could have just used Nimbus unless he's keeping it a secret from Goku or his mom. But last time I checked, it's not like Nimbus tells on people. Right, right. And then uh, they recruit Tien and Chaozu during the opening credits, but those two aren't there when they summon Shenron. So they were like, hey, thanks for getting it. Now beat it. Yeah. And like send them off somewhere. You weren't there when the forest <laughs> burned down, so we don't want you there when it comes back. Yeah, it was it was kind of strange. But I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I do like it when the openings um, kind of... They they're it's like hitting fast forward. This is stuff that if this were um you know, if this were in episodic format, you probably would have seen two or three episodes of this. But oh. we're gonna give it to you in two minutes. Hell, it might be a whole season. It would every episode would be him getting to the ball, the second episode would be him retrieving it and then losing it and then getting it again. Like this would take forever in a day, I feel like, if it was the show. <laughs> I did have in my notes, too, that when they show the title, Tree of Mine, I just said, actually, a tree sounds pretty good right now because everything behind the title is just devastated forest. (laughs) So maybe a tree might actually uh, spruce this place up a bit, unintended. I like that. Well, they end up back at the forest where everything is burned down, and there's no indication of the timeline. So it's, I don't know if they like left and a week later they came back or if they left and like six months later they came back and all the animals are still just standing there waiting because when they're there, so are all of the animals they left and like a few scenes behind. So they summoned the dragon and as they summoned them, the dragon that Gohan saved, who I'm going to go ahead and say his name is Icarus. 
he gets pissed off and like flies at Shinron like he's gonna do something about it. But he's Go- gonna throw hands, man. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of insane. And then Gohan is like, "Hold on, stop!" You know, we, this guy, this dragon, can save everything, and he wishes to the dragon to bring back the forest the way everything was. The dragon does it. The forest is great. Everything's restored back to normal. Um, one other note I had here: I really like the fact that in this movie there are a lot of costume changes, which I know sounds kind of silly, but at this point, we've already seen Gohan change two or three times and several of the other characters, and it kind of just felt like it breathes life into the characters to me. You know, we don't see them in these orange geese from the moment they show up to the very end. Right, right. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I also have in my notes, too, that because they used the wish at the beginning of the movie, then that means that the wish is now off the board for the year. Right. And it and it reminded me of this Mitch Hedberg joke where he's talking about uh, using your car horn, and he's like, I think we should only get three hunks a month. And then if somebody cuts you off and you press the horn, then nothing happens. You're like, crap, I wish I hadn't seen Ricky on the sidewalk earlier. <laughs> like they're going to co- they're going to get to a point where they're going to wish that they hadn't made that wish, but they can't wish because the Dragon Balls are stone. In fact, I'm going to talk about the wish shenanigans at the very end of this episode. Well, that's but, a good, yeah. a really good point, too, because in, in the show, it's often a thing where like something happens, the world gets wrecked and they wait a handful of months to make the wish to make everyone forget about what happened. But in this movie, if that was the case, then the whole world had to wait an entire year and deal with the devastation before Goku and gang just wished everything back to normal and made them forget again. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it the, the, the whole wish thing, I get it. It's part of the world. It makes way more sense when you do the when you press rewind at the end of a movie than right at the, at the beginning, beginning. For sure. <laughs> but if they didn't do it here and they had the Dragon Balls at their disposal, we wouldn't have a movie because they would have just been like, we wish that the Tree of Might was never planted on Earth, and then poof, it would be gone, and then they would just have to fight Turles and his gang, I guess. But That's funny. I, I do want to say, too, that like because I have had several deep, dark head cannons in my mind, in this movie, Icarus the dragon does not understand that Shinron brought back the forest. I like to think that Icarus sees Gohan as a god. Because in this movie... Gohan saves him from a tree, disappears for a little while, comes back, saves him from another huge dragon, and then Gohan re like stores his forest. So or it, or Gohan saves Shinron from Icarus. Could be, maybe, maybe. But I, I just mean, Shinron does go to whisper uh, whisker whip Icarus, but he, Gohan intervenes. That's true. We don't know what Icarus is capable of. He shows up occasionally in Z, but I think it might be in what are considered filler episodes. I don't remember if he's like manga canon or not. I don't But he's know. in the next two movies for sure. He, and he definitely shows up in Z occasionally, but I'm with you. I can't remember if he's totally considered filler or not. Yeah. Well, we catch up to the probe shortly after the wish is made and the forest is restored. Uh, it sprouts legs like uh, Vance's head from the thing. Uh, and it's it's a really cool design and it's scanning for a good spot for the tree. And I just have in my notes, if only the wish uh, they had waited just a little longer for that wish, um, but it still probably would have found a suitable spot. Uh, and then again, we still wouldn't have a movie if they had waited and then just wished the tree away. So we needed this movie, I, I guess, with a question mark. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing about this probe, like turning into a land probe is what I've got in my notes. Uh, it appears to be like scanning the surrounding land for information and it reports back into this massive Saiyan ship where we meet Turles and his crew and they're discussing how the earth is full of energy and everything and they clearly get this from the probe. But when they show up on the planet to deposit the seed for the tree, they put it where the probe landed. The probe's nowhere to be found. We never see this thing again. So is it just out there like scanning? 
What's it doing? They didn't, I don't did, know. You know what I mean? Well, maybe it found its own Gohan. Maybe. And it's just following <laughs> some other kid in the woods home. Gohan did befriend uh, one of the androids. That's kind of one of his plots. That is true. The ship full of fighters that we get to meet up in space, uh, reading and deciphering this data from the probe, there's six total people in the ship, uh, five of which are cronies, and then you have Turles, who we'll meet later. Um, but I wanted, I figured we'd go ahead and get their namesakes out of the way, and we then should. we'll tackle their voice actors as as we come across them in the narrative. So one of them is a giant red man with spiky Saiyan armor, and his name is Amond, named after almonds. There's a dude who looks like he was a centurion at some point, like a slug centurion, um, it, or like a jet man. His name is Cacao, named after chocolate. Then there's Days, named after soya beans. He's like this mullet head spra- uh, mullet head rocking dude. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of playing Apparently relative he's a, he's to a the prince, other ones. According to the wiki. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about their um their I'll let you talk about their uh their backstories in just a second. And then we have Raisin and Lakesi, who are twins, um, named after raisins and peanuts, and then Turles is lettuce. Uh, and they are aware of Kakarot, um, that he had been sent there, but they are also realizing that he hasn't done his job yet. So let's fill because it is fascinating. You and I talked about this before we started recording that. Each one of these minions, and I don't know it's been true for any of the movies up to this point that dealt with villains that weren't actually part of the canon television show, be it Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z, that had this much background information available to them. So you have a list of how each of these guys came to be part of the Crusher Corps? I don't. I just remember that that one guy was a prince. Oh. <laughs> Well, well, I have I will a list. Say, Do you though, want me to go through it? <laughs> what I will say is, when I was researching this, I was also shocked at how much information there was. It sounds like when the movie came out, there was basically next to nothing. Like, no one really knew who Turles was. And in fact, some of the translations get it wrong and claim he's Goku's brother. I think it's the French and the Dutch translation. But yeah. it sounds like Akira Toriyama released more information about him in a like art book and his group. And then later on, they're in all of these video games. It's really cool. So that's where all, a lot of their lore comes from is from the games themselves. And I'm sure Adkins will happily fill in <laughs> how Thurlis came across these folks. Yeah, just really quickly, uh, Raisin and Lakesi are, they were revived by Turles. They were dead, but Turles actually used an extract from the Tree of Might to revive them. They're part of the Beans people, spelled B-E-E-N-Z. Beans. Uh, B-E-E-N-Z. <laughs> yeah, Beans. Um, this, yeah, this was the nineties officially now, uh, days was the prince of a place, uh, of the Pakimpa dynasty on planet Kabacha. And he fought actually against Turles and Turles was so impressed that he recruited him, um, which is kind of similar to the move that Turles applies to, or tries to use against or with Gohan in this particular movie. Um, Kakao is this battle cyborg from the planet Iconda, and his metal is apparently special and makes him immune to ordinary attacks, but I don't know what that means. Um, because he still gets beat up on a couple times in this movie. Like, how do you classify a normal attack? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Ordinary attacks, whatever. Uh, Amand was a criminal that was caught and imprisoned on the planet Nuts uh, by the Galactic (laughs) Patrol. I'm not making this up. Um, And the day that he was imprisoned by the Galactic Patrol, Turles attacked that planet, set him and all these other prisoners free, and then he was also recruited by Turles the same day. Now, so he didn't he didn't have he didn't serve much of his sentence is what we know. Now Turles himself is pretty interesting because from what I can tell, basically he's just a low class Saiyan and he, he mentions in the movie that, that him and Goku are cut from the same stock or or the same mold or something like that. And I mean, 
a lot of people are like, well, did he have the same dad? No. In one of the translations, it's implied he's his brother. But it it kind of just seems like they just look alike. That's the only difference, really. Uh, but he effectively was sent on some sort of secret special mission that no one was supposed to know about and defected from the Saiyans. And he apparently wants to kill Frieza, and he hates that entire race of aliens. So... He yeah. is trying to gather power to do that, and that's how we end up here. The interesting thing is, is no one knows where he found out about the Tree of Might. Like, there's nothing out there on how he is aware of this this fruit. Yeah, I I struggle with Turles because it's he's kind it's kind of lazy. He's tan Goku with a cape is basically yeah. what he is. Yeah. Um, and I had this uh, meme that we'll try to include in the show notes of all of the characters in Dragon Ball that look a lot like Goku and. All of them have canonically reasonable reasons for why it is they look like Goku. Goku looks like Goku because he is Goku. Uh, Goku. Goten looks like Goku because he's his son. Goku Black looks like Goku because he's Goku from another timeline. Goku Jr. looks like Goku because he's Goku's grandson, great-grandson. Bardock looks like Goku. Well, actually, Goku looks like Bardock because Bardock (laughs) is Goku's dad, right? (laughs) Turles gets none of that. It's just like, hey, we look the same. Um, And you had mentioned the Danish and the French dubs apparently try to say that he's his brother, but that's incorrect. Um, And then in one of the versions, maybe in the Japanese, but I can't recall, Turles says something along the lines of, we're both low-class warriors and we only come in a few types which makes it sound like there's like three or four versions of low-class Saiyan warriors. And this one type all looks like... I did not like it. He gets no explanation, and it's just hovering out there as ridiculous and lazy. See, and that last thing that you're talking about, it lends to my theory that I'll talk about later. I really think this movie is in a timeline of its own, even separate from the other movies. And in this timeline, the Saiyans are cloning each other. That's That's how they amassed their army. They're not reproducing. That doesn't make any sense. They're genetically cloning low-class Saiyans. So they've just got a massive army of Gokus out there. I'm convinced. Interesting. So there's probably three or four molds. That's what he means. Huh. Well, that's fascinating. Are you going to talk more about that particular stuff at the end of the episode? Mm -hmm. Yeah, whenever we get to the timeline fitting, you know, we kind of have a piece. And I want to break it down there, kind of my thoughts. I won't won't spend too long on it. But I did come up with a fun theory of just kind of like, if this is in its own world, here's how it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that makes some sense. Well, let's get back to progressing to this narrative so we can get to your conspiracy theories at the end. <laughs> we we show back up. Goku's trying to cook himself again. Um, and this reminded me of another Mitch Hedberg joke. I don't know why I had Mitch Hedberg on my mind, but Mitch Hedberg has a joke about uh, going to hot tubs at like hotels when there's somebody already there and being like, hey, man, you mind if I join you? And then just throwing in some like carrots and, and onions and celery <laughs> and just being like, hey, man, just simmer there for a while. I mean, just sit there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so him and Gohan are sharing this like burn barrel, basically set over a fire, um, getting getting themselves clean. I guess uh, they enter into a hold your breath contest, uh, and they both plunge under the water somehow. I don't know how there's room for all that, but uh, Gohan ends up losing losing because Icarus sneaks sneaks up on Chi Chi, who has an absolute fit, and kind of tickles Gohan up out of the water. And there's this giant debate about whether Gohan brought this dragon home. But he, he didn't, like, he gets chastised, like, two tef- two separate times in this movie for having brought Icarus home. But he never once does. Icarus just follows him there. And he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be punished for that. Yeah, I agree with you. And Chi-Chi has a funny line here where she says, Gohan, friends are usually human. Yes. And I was hoping later she's that. eating with a pig at her table. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> well, that's what I have it in my <laughs> notes that she says friends are usually humans. And, and uh, underneath that, I wrote, that's an important usually, usually because yeah. her husband isn't even a human. Right. Like, talk about a woman that doesn't hang out with humans at all. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like, even her dad, I think, is a demon lord, pretty much. He's not really fully human. He has demon blood, I'm pretty sure. So, oh, I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons Gohan apparently back in the day was theorized to have so much power is because he has the mixture of human blood and Saiyan blood, but he also has his demon blood from his grandfather. Huh. Weird. Um, or I could be well, talking out my ass again. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> could be. I've never heard that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not expert on all things Dragon Ball. Um, Chi-Chi tol- tells... Gohan that he needs to go take Icarus back out into the woods, but Goku pulls the good dad move um, and like calls Gohan over and shows him a cave and they even sneak some food over there. It reminded me of the time uh, when I was a child and I told mom I wasn't going to eat dinner. I guess I didn't want whatever it was. And so she was like, fine, then go to your room and don't eat. And uh, my dad ended up sneaking into my room a little bit later on with an apple. Nice. You know, he's just like, hey, man, like... Get get you this apple. You ain't going to go to bed hungry. This, um, this so Goku, is, Goku's doing the equivalent of that here. This is how you know these movies aren't canon, because Goku treats his son with respect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Goku, I think, I, I mean, I, I really do believe that he does not see the Icarus problem, quote unquote, in the same way that Chi-Chi does. It's not a problem, all. that's why. <laughs> yeah. But there's like scenes where Chi-Chi is just raking Gohan over the coals about this dragon. And Goku's just like with, got his head down on the table just watching it go on yeah. like, this is dumb. This it, It's just a pet. Let's make deal. It's not even an inside dragon, Chi-Chi. That, that, I would have paid money to have Goku say that in the anime. <laughs> that would have been so awesome. Uh, well, we move on to see Yamcha, who is in his new ride. He is excited to show it off to Bulma. Even he is just like, man, Bulma can't resist a ride in this thing. It's, that doesn't make any sense. I know. How is... Why is he trying to impress Bulma with a fancy ride when she's literally the daughter of probably the wealthiest man in the entire world? Probably the guy that designed the ride. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like, we don't see a whole lot of things technology-wise in the Dragon Ball Z universe that isn't Capsule Corp, right? Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I thought that that was pretty funny. Uh, But he is uh, sensing something off, and he's like, yeah, something doesn't feel right. And then we transition over to see Piccolo, who just says, darkness approaches. and. I got to say, when I watched the Oceans dub and it wasn't Chris Sabat, my brain about melted. I was like, who is this? This is not Piccolo. I was, I was really thrown off by it. You know which voice threw me off in the Japanese? I think this is the first time I ever heard uh, King Kai in Japanese. Oh, really? Because this is his first appearance in a movie. Right. Along with, uh, I think this is Yamcha Tien and Chaozu's. This is all their first Dragon Ball Z movies, too. That's correct. Obviously, they showed up in Dragon Ball movies, but... Yeah, King Kai in the Japanese sounds like deep and dignified, sounds lordly, like compared to what Sean Schimmel does with that voice in the English, not even close. Like it was, I was like, what? King Kai sounds dope. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know that I've ever paid that much attention to it. Was the the voice actor for King Kai in the Japanese version the same one he is in the anime? You know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't get that far. Yeah. I even meant, I'm, I mean, it's definitely a male voice. It's not like the same person is doing Goku and King Kai in the Japanese like it is in the English. But the English voice of King Kai is so goofy, you know? Sure, yeah. Uh, well, and yeah. I, you do not catch that vibe from Japanese King Kai, not in this movie anyway. That's interesting. Well, we, we see these alien warriors that we mentioned earlier. They show up to the scene where the probe crashed into the earth. 
Uh, and they pretty much are just like, oh, hey, look, it's the spot where the probe landed. Here's a seed. And they like they blow open this huge hole. There's like this huge cavern here. They've tossed the seed down. And when they do that, it causes Yamcha's car to crash. So he gets all pissed off, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but they, like I said, toss the seed down into the cracks. And then we transition to this like Gohan playing with Icarus montage for a little while. And then it's supper time and he has to go. And we see Icarus is sensing something wrong towards the forest. So all these like creatures and people and things are sensing something bad is about to happen. Uh, we then see the tree just like explode. I mean, the, the seed cracks a little bit comes out. And then the next thing, you know, this tree is massive. It's taking over everything. And this is where we see King Kai for the first time. He is also sensing that something is wrong. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot of this... few minutes here of just people being like, something's wrong. Yeah. The, the tree is massive. It's definitely visible from space to give you an idea of the scale of this thing on the planet. Um, it's even knocking over other trees like it's like it's Highlander in the forest. Yeah. All of a sudden, there can only be one. Uh, and then it's wrecking cities. Uh, and you can imagine since we had so much fun talking about like uh, how scientists all over the world resp- would respond to the things that we see happen in Dragon Ball Z movies. I imagine that at this point in the movie, tree services are competitively bidding for the job of cutting this thing down. Oh, that's funny. Uh, as it's like wrecking cities left and right. But somehow... This manages to elude the attention of the Z Warriors for quite some time. So we cut uh, over to Chi Chi serving them tea. Um, a couple of the cups had names. I don't know if all of them did. Goku's and Gohan's definitely I don't did, which think makes the others sense because they're in their house. Yeah, yeah, I don't think the others did. But Yamcha gets, you know, chided for spending all of his money and not insuring his car and blah, blah, blah. He makes a joke about helping uh, Gohan with his homework instead, but Chi Chi just burns him by saying that that's what she's most afraid of. And Icarus shows up and he's trying to warn them, trying to get Gohan to jump on his back and fly off. But Chi-Chi's kind of shooing them all away. And because they won't listen to Icarus, King Kai chimes in. uh, And he says that this tree of might thing has been planted on their planet. um, That the fruit was originally intended to be consumed by the eternal dragon. In the Japanese, it's different um, because the tree is called uh, the Shinseiju. And it is like tree of the gods, basically. And the fruit was supposed to be eaten by divine beings. so King Kai explains further, it's known as the tree of death, that it just sucks nutrients out of the soil. So everything that it touches is destroyed. And the fact that it was planted on this planet at all probably means that it's too late. But Goku needs to go and stop the people who are kind of overseeing its growth, I suppose. There was also a funny bit here that I got to mention where Chi Chi mentioned something about, uh, I think it's actually Goku. Goku's like, man, that little fella seems upset talking about Icarus. And Chi Chi just goes, he's not the only one. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> poor Chi Chi, man. <laughs> Uh, but we transition back over to seeing these alien warriors. They're talking about eating these fruits and basically outshadowing the rest of the universe. Apparently, they even mentioned using this fruit to beat Frieza, but that wasn't in either of the translations I saw. I, that must not have been on the ocean or in the Funimation version. So that must be out there somewhere. Uh, but Turles is explaining that he wants everyone to leave Goku alone. He's like, I want this weak excuse for a Saiyan, as he calls him, for myself. Uh, but we we see Goku telling the Z fighters everything King Kai told him, and then just being like, "All right, who's in?" And everyone's putting their hands in the middle of the table, including Oolong, who was just like, "Yeah, it'd only take us a day or two to prepare for that." I'm like, "You're not even part of this. You're not showing up. What are you talking about, Oolong?" He just wants to feel a part of things, and so does Gohan. So Gohan throws his tiny little chubby hand in there too. Gohan in this movie looks extremely short and pudgy; like he looks like he's still rocking all of the baby fat and folds for some reason. Yeah, he looks like he he should have in the Raditz or like Saiyan saga, but he's wearing what he should be wearing on Namek. Yeah, it's just his his girth 
is just strange. Like his, it's just weird. He looks pudgy uh, in this movie. Um, well, Chi Chi does not want Gohan going along with this. Shocker. Um, but we do have uh, Chaozu, Tien, Krillin, Yamcha, and Goku all fly off to the tree. And their big idea is to just blast it all at the same time. And I thought that this was a cool touch. So the five of them uh, fire, presumably, some of their biggest blasts. And you see the two schools represented between the, the five beams. So you see three blue, which are the Kamehamehas from Krillin, Yamcha, and Goku, who served under Roshi. Uh, and then two yellow, which would be the Dodon Paz or the Dodon Rays. Uh, from Chaozu and Tien, who served under Shin. I thought that that was a cool touch. That is but pretty those, cool. I didn't realize, those beams don't do a thing. I didn't realize that that's what the color scheme was based off of, was who they trained under. Because I even had a yep. note in here, like, I wonder what determines the color. Because I feel like I've seen Gohan use yellow key blast and blue key blast, and he's not trained under either. He has, but so like some of his blasts, like the Masenko, for instance, are yellow because that's what color it is when Piccolo uses okay, it. Okay, that's oh. fair. So I don't know that it's like, you know, like fireworks, it depends on what kind of uh, element that you've got in there, or mineral. Sure. I don't know that what the thing is, but I do know that the Dodon race has only ever been yellow and Kamehameha's only traditionally blue. blue. Yeah, true. And I don't know why they didn't just whip out Destructo Discs here. That seems like that's where I would have started because it's the freaking Destructo Disc. It's probably the second or third most effective move in all of Dragon Ball Z. And it's designed to cut things. Yeah, you make a really good point. I hadn't considered that. And not only that, but they can control the Destructo Discs. At least Krillin can. So it- Yeah, and he we know that he knows it by now because he throws it uh, at uh, the, the red guy yeah, a little bit later on, whose name I forget. Armand? And, and Goku Armand, uses yeah. it too. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a really good point I hadn't even considered. This could have cut the movie in half. Like, could have ended it here. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they didn't start with that. I was like, uh, hello, it's the thing that the Destructo Disc does best is cut things. I think it even um, shows the Destructo Disc flying into the tree and cutting it later on in the movie. So it makes sense that it would have been like, whereas these key blasts don't appear to have done anything. And the funny part about it is they, they're like, someone says, I think it might be Krillin, like, oh, let's just power up and hit it again. And Yamcha of all of them actually comes out and is like, well, we're just destroying everything around it, guys. Like, let's not do that, which I thought was weird that they had Yamcha point that out. That's yeah, true. Uh, uh, but seemingly they well, just, Goku's not going to be the one to say it. No, that's true. But seemingly they just detect that there are alien warriors here because they all just yeah. float up. Like there's no <laughs> indication. No one is like, oh, do you sense that? They don't even look up. They just float up and they're there and the alien warriors are laughing at them. So I thought that was kind of weird. Goku and Ko, they fly up to face the crew of bad guys, the Crusher Corpse minus Turles. He's still up in the ship for now, I guess. Uh, and Goku's like, you put this tree on our planet, but you never asked. If you'd have said please, then maybe. Um, that's not what he says, but that kind of was the tone that he had. And uh, Yamcha's just like, I bet you guys blew up my cruiser. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yep. Yeah. They own it. They're like, yep, that was us. Uh, yeah, this is ridiculous. And, and it's kind of funny because everyone seems like very on edge to some extent. Like Krillin is shaking in his boots and he's like, I'm not scared. Uh, but they are. Things Things get pretty out of control right off the bat like they just start fighting Tien and Chaozu are taken off really really easily actually by the two twins uh Raison and Rakasai I think is his name but it's different depending on which version you watch uh and then Tien is able to get a solar flare off so he gets away I guess but we kind of just transition around to seeing each of the Z fighters fighting off a respective fighter really yeah I take beef with this I'll, I'll talk more about it when I give my final review, I think. But the two prune guys, Raisin and Lakesi, they, they're voiced by, both of them are voiced by Robert McCullum, who was uh, Miso Katsun in, in uh, The World's Strongest in our last movie. 
um, and is still to appear in four more Dragon Ball Z movies as villains. That's cool. Um, also, also staying in my hero. We've been over that. Though. Yeah. Um, they also have this weird power that if I hadn't read about it, it finally made some sense of something that I, I had in my notes. It's like, what in the world happened in this scene? Because they have the ability to merge into one being and then split into two again. And that happens on screen, but it goes undescribed. It's it's not explained. It's just a thing where they come together and then split apart after they get beamed. So I watched this movie if, like four times, five times, and I don't remember that happening. If you watch that initial fight with Tien and Chaozu, you'll see okay. it. You'll see you'll see it. Um, Krillin goes up against Amand. They he throws a destructive disc. Amand throws one of his own. It looks like well, no, and they he, just kind of bounce off of one another. He does. So I think what happened here was Armand did a whirlwind attack, deflecting the destructo disc back at Krillin. But then they didn't finish the animation. Almost, it's like it got sent back at Krillin, and then Krillin flung it back at him, and it just hits the tree and behind him. It was really weirdly animated. There were two though. So were one there two? emits okay. from Armand that was like orange looking, or something that looked like a destructo disc. And it comes back past him. It doesn't act like a destructo disc because when it hits the cliff, instead of like slicing it, it all explodes. the way through like a destructo disc usually does, it explodes. Yeah. And the yellow destructo disc goes past Krillin. It was strange. That was um, strange. Yamcha gets bodied by Kakao like immediately. <laughs> and it almost <laughs> looks like they used the animation of him yeah. in the ground from when he gets killed by the Cybermen. I mean, it, it's right. like a huge hole in the ground that he's covered up in the bottom. I felt bad for him. Yeah, pretty much all of the rest of the villains, too, are, are voiced by folks who only have this one role in Dragon Ball. So J. Paul uh, Slavens is Amand. He's only, this is his only Dragon Ball role. Um, Jeff Johnson plays Kakao, only Dragon Ball role. Um, I can't remember who has Dai's, uh Oh, Mark Lancaster, also only Dragon Ball role. These are people that we're never going to talk about again. Um, Chaozu gets chased by the prunes, one or both of them. I can't couldn't remember if they were merged or not. They're the only ones that actually get their names mentioned, or the prunes. And it's only be, I think only so. because they introduce themselves. The other fighters here don't get named in the movie at all. Right. In any of the versions. Well, they get he gets Chaozu gets blasted all to hell from behind. Um, and then they send one large beam coming at him to seal the deal, but Gohan intervenes. He was brought onto the scene uh, by Icarus, who finally convinced Gohan to hop along. Um, and it seems as if there are a couple different times where these bad guys appear to be defeated, but are not because they show up again at the very end in a way that totally pisses me off. Yeah, but yeah, same here. Is what it is. Um, Turtles is watching and he sees that Gohan is basically a Saiyan and he guesses that he's Kakarot's son. And um, even when he, Gohan is fighting one of the twins, the twin says like, wow, he reminds me of fighting a Saiyan. Uh, but Gohan is looking for Icarus after he has... I guess just abandoned Chaozu. Like, I don't know. It's so weird because he, he definitely helps him out. And then the next scene we are treated to is just him looking for Icarus and he can't. Yeah. Some of the Z fighters disappear during this movie. Yeah. Chaozu disappears from here until uh, he's hanging from a tree. I want to say at the very end. Yeah. No, he, he shows up um, to confront Turles, but Yamcha disappears for a large chunk of this movie too. Yeah. Not that I blame Yamcha. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, or the animators for not having Yamcha. In right. The movie. Yeah. Like, what is he even doing there at this point? Uh, None of them do anything, but I'll, I'll get on that soapbox later. But Gohan flies like right into Turles. He's just not even paying attention, which seems really weird to me, too. Like, surely he would have sensed his power, his key or something. I don't know. But he's just like, oh, you kind of look like dad, but you're not dad. And Turles is uh, very, very much so like, hey, man, you need to come be with me because under your dad, you're not going to learn anything. Like, I'm a real Saiyan. Your dad's not a real Saiyan. So you need to come train under me. And, um, he, you know, he's trying to recruit him at this point. Yeah, I, uh, 
I vacillated between whether he was recruiting him or seducing him in my notes. Um, <laughs> Turles just wants a really, son. He's lonely. Yeah. There was this really funny dialogue where Turles is like, I'm the mightiest of the same warriors. And Gohan's just like, no, you're not. And Turles says, your father is a weak and feeble Saiyan. And Go- Gohan says, no, he's not. <laughs> it's just like t- child retorts to everything. Turles does this thing in this movie too consistently where he like chides Goku and calls him like a coward as Goku is destroying his minions. Which makes no sense. Like, there are several times when Turles goes on these monologues that don't really line up with what's literally happening in front of his face. Yeah, well, we get... Piccolo gets another one of the best entrances. Um, he's consistently had those in the movie so far. Uh, in, in the English, Turles says, something's coming and its power level is unreadable. But in the Japanese, it just says, something's coming and its power level is 18,000. Those are two very different things. It is very um, different. But, Piccolo does drop in. He charges in towards Turles. Turles throws Gohan at him, uh, and Piccolo makes the catch, and there's this touching moment, but it gets interrupted because Turles is, you know, fighting Piccolo. So Turles uh, kind of scoots behind Piccolo, blasts him from behind, disintegrating uh, Piccolo's weighted clothing, and he doesn't realize this, but he's actually helped Piccolo out a tad because, you know, that weighted clothing slows him down and makes him weaker. And now he just took it off for him. See, I take issue with this scene here a lot because like, yes, Turles has Gohan and he's flinging him at Piccolo. Piccolo was going to catch him. But Piccolo is also a trained veteran. Like, I I can't imagine that he was totally going to be just unaware of the fact that Turles just shows up right behind him and totally blasts him out of nowhere. It felt like he would have been more prepared than that. That felt un-Piccolo like to me. I also think it's really weird that Turles doesn't mention anything about the fact that there's a Namekian on this planet. Surely he's got to be like, WTF, guys, when did the Namekians get here? But he doesn't mention that at all, which seems really weird and also kind of lends to a conspiracy theory of mine that I'll talk about later. (laughs) The bigger issue that I had with this particular scene was that when we get back to the seducing slash recruiting of Gohan, he just sprouts his tail again. Yeah, which felt Um, so strange. Like, Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we've seen tails grow back before, uh, like in the series, but it's always weird and like this one you actually see it sprout and like like grow out of the back of gohan like normally it's just like oh snap he's got his tail back when did that happen but this time you see it and turles capitalizes on this he kind of makes it seem like he made it sprout but um anyway he throws what's called the power ball on on the dragon ball wikis it's the thing that is an energy ball what makes the waves uh the blutz waves or whatever they're called that turn these Saiyans into apes if they look at it. So he kicks Gohan up into the air. He spins him around like he's about to play pin, uh, pin the tail on the donkey. And then he holds Gohan's eyes open a la like clockwork orange until Gohan begins to change into the great ape. At which point he, like in the English, it says that he, he shoots a blast up there and he calls it a blocking cloud as if he's obscuring the light so that he doesn't transform mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. But in the Japanese, he just seems to blow up the actual moon blast light thing and just say, "Ah, the effects will only last a little longer and I won't look up there, basically. This was another weird difference, too, here where the ocean dub, I guess they decided it was too violent to have him holding Gohan's eyes open. So instead, in that scene, they've got him uh, holding his shoulders. But when they reanimated it, it looks like garbage. Like, dang it, man. It's horrible. That's what I was going to send you later. That's the screenshot that I wanted your reaction to. It's awful. Like, when I was (laughs) watching it, I was watching it with Hannah, and even she was like, what were they thinking? And then when I watched the Funovation version, I was like, oh, that looks totally normal here. So, (laughs) oh, yeah. The the sensor that they made to that scene looks 
awful, and we will include it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, but anyways, Gohan is a massive ape now, and he's rampaging. And it's kind of funny because Turles does make a mention, like, "Well, it's it's good that he's young. He's gonna rampage. He doesn't have as much control as I do." You know, like as if he transformed. He he mentions being an older ape or something like that. And I just I thought it was kind of weird. Um, I personally wish that Turles had turned into an ape. I think it would have been a cooler movie. Like, how cool would it have been to have seen two massive apes just totally wrecking this world instead of it being the Tree of Might? I don't, I don't know. I would have liked it. Yeah, I, it's it's definitely strange, but I I would imagine, too, that Turles is at the point where he could control himself in the Great Ape form. Totally, so, yeah. Yeah, that would have made some sense for him to do that. But this is this is where we get one of my favorite animations in the entire movie because Goku rushes in and he's met by Kakao and Daze and he dashes up between them and does a T-pose and just blasts out of both hands to his left and right and reduces them to sketches, kind of. I mean, they are reduced to sketches, but they're still alive because they come back later. But that animation was really good. Yeah, um, Maybe my second favorite um, after one that we get to in just a second. But he he's staring down Gohan in the Great Ape form who attacks him. And Goku's trying to break through to him, keeps saying Gohan, uh, but he can't even create space, like a safe space away using the Kaioken. He's trying to dash around, but Gohan ends up smacking him out of the air. Um, and what was great is uh, Turles in, in the Japanese is talking to Goku after he gets smacked out of the sky and says, after you're dead, I'll watch after your son. And I was like, that's exactly what Piccolo said to dying <laughs> Goku in the TV show. Yeah, yeah. And I love here too, this is one of my favorite animations of all time. And I, I don't know why it lives like rent free in my head. But there's this part or this scene where Goku gets sent flying back and he like does a backflip and grabs the ground with one of his feet and like slides back on it. And it just looks so cool. There's a really cool sound accompanied with it. I don't know why of all the things. That's one of my favorite things, though. (laughs) Well, Piccolo tries to jump in and he's shouting about, of course, cutting the tail off. And this pisses Turles off, so he just blasts all three of them. Gohan and Goku fall into this lake below the tree. Uh, and then there's the scene of Great Ape Gohan emerging from the water and grabbing Goku. And that's the single best piece of animation in this entire movie. Yeah. It's so cool and well done. It's like a tight shot on tiny Goku as the giant Great Ape head and then hand scoops him up. Um, and he begins to be squeezed. Uh, and I had in my notes that daddy couldn't break through to Gohan, but this dragon that Gohan met yesterday can totally it makes all of the sense. Um, and so Icarus flies in and gets Gohan's attention. And then Gohan ends up laying down in grade eight form on the ground, belly down, and then like nonchalantly kind of kicking his feet with his hands, like his, his head kind of nestled in his hands. It's so childlike. It reminded me of a scene that we'll also include in the show notes of uh, Wolverine from Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men run, <laughs> yeah. um, where he's kind of, his mind is messed with by uh, Emma uh, and I, I uh, yeah, Emma Frost. And he is just sitting in the floor making like little paper characters with his claws. And he looks like a teenage girl when he's doing it. That's exactly what the scene reminds me. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's funny. Well, Turles doesn't like the fact that this is what's going on. He claims Goku has raised uh, Gohan too much of an earth, like too much of an earthling. And so he shoots a beam at Icarus, which of course pisses off Gohan, and he starts to wreck the cavern, and then he goes after Turles, but Turles does this really cool, like, death ring key blast thing. Uh, Goku is able to cut him off just in the nick of time, though, because he sends a uh, destructo disc at Gohan, cuts off his tail, so Gohan falls, misses the blast, uh, and he wakes up, and he's like, Daddy, there was a big monkey smashing into things. It's always interesting to me that the Saiyans at that age or when they first start transforming don't remember that they did it. And then eventually they just learn how to control it. I think that's pretty crazy. 
Uh, but Goku says, hey, look, it's time for me to take over. This ends now. And this is pretty much really the rest of the movie. Like, Goku is like, all right, I'm going to be the hero. And he starts kicking Turles' butt, or at least he tries to. But before we treat it to that, we get a quick scene where there's this carnival uh, amusement park that gets taken over by the Tree of Might. We see all the city grids going down. Like, the whole world just looks dingy and brown. And we keep getting treated to these scenes of the fruits. I guess you can assume that they're growing, but they're all pretty stagnant scenes. And there's just this stare down happening between Turles and Kakarot or Goku. Yeah, but before we can get to the fight that we all want to see, the crew of five cronies interjects themselves again. I have in my notes, the crew interjects themselves between Goku and Turles, further delaying the fight that we actually want yes. to see. Piccolo hops on Turles and uses his stretchy arms. It's called Demon Hands. And we do not see that move from Piccolo enough. I'm here to say that. That is one of the coolest things that he can do. We don't get enough of stretchy Piccolo. Like, Stretch Armstrong Piccolo is cool. It is cool. Let's have that more often. Yeah, I totally agree. That's something they got away from really, really early on in DBZ, I feel like. He tries to special beam cannon, like, point blank at Turles. Turles is able to just eat it with his palm. I disagree with that entirely. Um, But then he just bodies Piccolo, like, blasts Piccolo up in this vertical beam up and out of there. And then Goku, he's he's single-handedly taken on all five of these other, uh, these other, fighters of the crusher corpse so goku ends up having to go ko ken and shatters all their scouters and then basically okos all the cronies but the fact that before he got even that far that he was easily hanging with all five of them taking no blows and dishing all the pain out just screams that the all of the z fighters were insanely useless all of that was wasted movie time. absolutely well and what i really hate is like we have seen very quick glimpses, like basically one key blast fire offs between the Z warriors and these alien warriors. And then they all just show back up and are like, oh yeah, we killed your friends. And we get a quick glimpse of all of them like dead. And I'm like, what, what happened here? They just disappeared. Gohan even intercepted Goku intercepted at one point as well. And then what? They just stopped caring about their friends. That feels totally unlike them. Like I I didn't like the way they handled the fight between the Z warriors and Turles's gang at all. It it seems so silly. I like it when the Z fighters matter, even if they aren't participating in whatever the final climactic battle is. And Dragon Ball Z, the show has done this well. Some of the movies have handled this well. This one does not. The Z fighters do nothing but fill up airtime. That's it. And it pissed me off. It is. (laughs) It's frustrating. Yeah, I didn't like it. I was so mad about that. Well, and this is the part where I think I mentioned earlier, like Turles is doing this weird thing where he keeps calling Kakarot a coward and he even offers him here like an out. He's like, hey, look, if we still got time, if you want to surrender now, whatever, we'll just bygones be bygones. I'll take your world. And I don't know, I, I guess I'll kill you just easily or something because he, he has no plans of letting him live. But it's weird that he's calling Goku a coward when he literally just destroyed all of his minions like that i mean kaioken times whatever in this instance just took out everybody and he's at this point at least keeping up with turles with no issues uh however turles continues to go on and say that he's superior he's gonna beat him just like he beat his son and then he goes on to say that the tree of might is sucking out the energy from the earth and once he gets a bite of that he is just absolutely going to be unstoppable no way goku is able to do anything about it the fighting continues to ensue i mean it's it really is pretty much exactly what we're describing as just one big fight scene. Turles grabs a fruit, takes a bite, and I don't like it because he only gets a bite off because Goku lets him. Like, Goku just stops and watches him eat the fruit. I'm like, what are you doing? What? I like it even less because Goku doesn't just do the same damn thing. Well, I can't, that kind of makes sense, It's though. not like that tree's produced one fruit. In fact, 
there, it's produced hundreds. Turles himself doesn't even eat just one in this he movie. So three, why doesn't yeah. Goku just hop up there and get himself a piece of that fruit? Doesn't make any sense why he wouldn't I do like that. to think it's because he is aware of the fact that this is energy stolen from the world. Like, he wouldn't want to eat the fruit because it was produced by something he cared about that was stolen from him. But he's going to do the spirit bomb later. I it's know. the functional equivalent as far as I'm oh, concerned. Oh, no, it absolutely is. But he asked for it when he did the spirit bomb. He didn't just take it. I, oh, we're going we're gonna to have a little <laughs> discussion about that in a minute, too. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, and after Turles eats this first bite of the fruit, his first show of strength is just crushing the fruit, which, ooh, scary. Um, but he does beef up a bit. Um, and in my head, this was a much larger transformation, but it really isn't. He just kind of, like, swells up a little uh, but he ends up just starting to body Goku, beams him into the ground pretty effortlessly. And from Turles, he's just like, from this point on, nothing can stop me, not even Kakarot. And I just have in my notes, I was like, what do you mean not even him? He's never been a threat to you. You've been talking about this entire <laughs> movie, how he's so far below you. Yeah. Um, but Goku performs a Kaioken here. And depending on which version you're watching, um, the multiplier might, might change. Original Japanese is that Goku goes uh, Kaioken times 10, but the Funimation dub changed that for some reason to times 20. Um, Turles earlier in the Japanese had scanned Goku and saw that his power was 30,000 and climbing, uh, so a times 10 would put Goku at about 300,000 strength, uh, and he is still too slow, and he gets punched down into the knees of Turles and then double axe handled and then stomped on, um, is still just being completely owned by Turles. And Turles is giving him another opportunity to uh, beg for forgiveness and surrender himself. He calls him Kakarot, and Goku starts to bicker about how that's not his name. And I just have in my notes, now's not the time. Yeah. <laughs> now's not the time to be like, that's not my name. Um, well, and Turles ends this particular uh, scene by just blasting violently down into Goku's back uh, and and walking off, leaving him basically to die. I think in the ocean dub, and I've, I'm, I haven't mentioned this yet, but in the ocean dub, they did this thing where they filtered out a lot of the combat and they filtered out some of the nudity that happens as well. And in this scene, they just completely cut him getting wrecked by that like shotgun blast of key or key blast. Uh, they just go right into the next scene instead of showing that. And other that makes sense. other parts of the movie, and it's kind of weirdly inconsistent. I don't even know if inconsistent, that's what I'm looking for. They don't always apply this like weird black white picture. It almost looks like a comic book uh, like talking box that they put over people getting punched just so that way you don't see it. But it's hit or miss when they decide to do it. It was kind of strange. Uh, but I do have in my notes here when Goku is being called Kakarot, depending on which version you you're watching, he has a couple of different responses. He either says something along the lines of I'm just Goku or I'm Goku son Goku or he says I don't know any Kakarot. I'm son Goku. Which will lead me into kind of, I, I want to break down real quick what I'm thinking with this timeline. It is possible that in this movie, if it's completely separate from everything else, it's its own timeline, its own thing, it may be possible that the Saiyans never showed up and he's never heard the word Kakarot before. He may have no idea what Turles is talking about, which I think is possible here. I mean, he may not have ever met Vegeta, Nappa, or Raditz. He, he may not have any idea that that is the fact that he is a Saiyan at all. I mean, he may just think he's a human and it kind of gets enforced throughout this movie as he talks about being human and coming from earth or just being part of earth. Uh, so I don't know. I'm feeling maybe that could lend towards that. Yeah. I didn't hear that, that line that way. I just heard him basically like Turles was trying to kind of recruit him over to the Saiyan side of life 
and Goku saying, no, I'm an earthling. Like this is, this is my home now. This is, this is how I identify. And it's not like he's denying his heritage so much as he is his affiliation. Um, And you all remember too, from the last movie, there was that daydream of Gohan's where he had that, uh, that vision of Piccolo taking that blast from Nappa. So if these movies are all in the same timeline, I mean, we don't see Nappa on the other end of that blast, so maybe it's somebody else. Um, but, you know, it's we're led to believe that it was Nappa and Vegeta, and so that presumably they would have heard somebody call him ta- uh, Kakarot. See, somebody explained to him that he was a saint. And I'm kind of of the opinion but that... There, there is the possibility of what you're saying. Too. Right, and I'm kind of of the opinion that this movie isn't part of the overall movie world that we've, cr- we've talked about and created. This one could be even aside from that. Uh, because hmm. in this movie is where we see Piccolo get blasted protecting Gohan. It could replace that scene entirely. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I definitely saw that as a callback, but if this is a, its own continuity, it's, is it, it isn't necessarily sure. so, that's for sure. But hey, these movies are what we make them, right? <laughs> so Right, here in the movie, Piccolo, Yamcha, Krillin, Chaozu, Tien, everybody starts talking to Goku telepathically somehow. Right, randomly? <laughs> it never gets explained and like there are times in z where goku seems to have telepathic abilities too so whatever it is what it is um in the japanese piccolo is like yo goku do the genki dama do the spirit bomb um but you don't get that in the um in the english instead goku seems more or less not unmotivated until he hears gohan at which point he stands up and he says i can't quit uh the z fighters have all picked themselves up out of the dust flown back up to in front of turles um and they do they look worse for the wear uh goku is down at the bottom of the tree trying to gather strength from the spirit bomb but he realizes that earth just doesn't have all that much power to give but he's he's going to give it his darndest effort and so while his friends are getting their butt whooped um he's down there doing his best to collect energy for the spirit bomb and this is where the funniest thing in this movie happens where everybody piccolo krillin tien yamcha they all have their scene of just getting beat but they're the difference is all of them were coming towards Turles when they get beat. Chaozu, though, in his scene, looks like he watches all that and is just like, nope, never mind. And he's <laughs> going to turn around and fly off. And then Turles just chops him out of the air anyway. Yeah. I laughed out loud. I had to pause the movie. I thought that, that was so stinking funny. <laughs> it was a pretty good scene there. I, I really like this part, too, because Goku is able to get enough energy, he thinks, from the world. So he's, he fires this spirit ball off at Turles. Turles sees it coming and just fires off his own blast. And it absolutely wrecks the spirit ball, like totally consumes it. But the coolest thing is, Turles's key blasts are like electrified. Like he's so powerful. There's just electricity going everywhere off of his key blast. And I thought that was really neat. Uh, but he's able to completely overtake Goku's spirit ball. His attack hits Goku, sends him flying. Krillin notes at this point, he's like, well, there must not have been enough Earth energy to, to land that hit. And I mean, we do see all these shots of Earth dying. Like it's it's kind of weird. It's like these animals dying and then this brown Earth and then focusing on Goku's face and then the fruit and then Goku's face. And then we're hearing his inner monologue. He's he's unconscious. He's seeing something that he describes as warm, like rays of the sun. It's burning bright yellow. And at first you may be thinking that they're making like a reference to Super Saiyan, but I don't think they are it's just like no, he's just recognizes so. the energy of the fruit you know it's like oh hey that energy from the tree itself let me focus on that uh so he he shows up back up at the top of this tree where Turles is now residing and he says look i've got the power of nature inside that's how i'm still here and 
I hated that me too. line. I thought it was so silly. <laughs> it sounded, it read to me like, uh, I have the power of God in anime on my <laughs> exactly. side. I, re- I heard him say that in the exact same voice. Yep. yep. <laughs> so they have another stare off. The trees are blown by the wind. The fruit is fruiting is what I have in my notes. It's like really yeah. dramatic. And it's funny because if you watch the, I think it's the original Japanese, you don't really hear any music in the background. It's just like maybe the wind blowing or something. But in the redub of it, Funimation has added this like really dramatic, intense music. So there, it feels like they've been staring off for three days. Uh, and then they just start firing off blasts and Goku's is way stronger and it just totally obliterates Turles. Uh I mean, it's, it's over and done like in a split second, it seems like. Yeah. It sends Turles like shooting up through the tree or at least the way that's, that's the way it's visually depicted. Um, and yeah, I mean, like Turles earlier blocked the first or destroyed the first spirit bomb. I think he's the only Dragon Ball villain to ever yeah, do so. so. Everybody else that has one thrown at him gets blown up, at least minorly. Some of them recover just fine, but um, he manages to snap this one out of the sky. And yeah, so the whole thing is like Goku apparently draws this energy this time from the tree. And I'm like, well, it doesn't make any sense why he didn't draw power from the tree in the first place. And it doesn't make sense either why he draw it specifically from the tree later like how how does he specify uh, it yeah yeah there's no well like, it doesn't and make he was just sense. pulling from the earth well the tree is the earth now so it, the tree is on the right. earth yeah no yep. i'm right there with you it's, it's pretty silly i really didn't like it um but the this light covers about a third of the earth there are some gratuitous scenes of chaotzu and tien lying unconscious and i just have in my notes where's yamcha we haven't seen him in forever and then i was like but also who cares <laughs> um the tree disintegrates and the energy returns to the earth. And then I just have a series of questions like, okay, if the energy returned to the earth, then what did Goku just use against Turles that exploded? Yeah. Are they double counting the energy? It's like he gets to use it as a bomb, but then also to restore the earth. I mean, I get that energy can neither be created nor destroyed in physics, but then what about the energy that clearly got absorbed by Turles when he ate the fruit? There are a lot uh, of questions. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love um, the fact that the animation for the energy returning to the world from the tree pretty much just looks like a big pollen fest. Like in in spring when trees like the wind blows and the trees just spread pollen everywhere, everything's yellow. That's what this looked like. Like the wind blew, the tree of might just spread its pollen, the whole world was yellow for a few seconds and then things came back to life. Water repopulates the oceans yeah. in like split seconds if you take the shot from space at face value. It's it's bonkers. Icarus ends up licking a naked Gohan awake. Um, King Kai verbalizes and tries to explain the resolution, which is never a good sign for a movie. Dude, and I'll say no that joke. right here. Like King Kai literally just recaps the movie. That's what happened. Yeah. He has to explain what we just watched, which is not good. Show don't tell. That's a much better way of storytelling. But he spends like two minutes being like, oh, well, Goku drew power from the tree and used it against Turles. And I was like, we just watched all that. You don't have to explain it. But then he he does have to explain how all the energy just went back to the earth because... That was dumb. Um, then the movie finishes with everybody in the movie, pretty much besides Chi Chi out camping um, and Puar going up to Icarus and saying, hey, you know, it sounds like you did. Uh, you played a big, pretty big part in uh, this particular fight. So I guess you're on the team now. So can I pet you? And he reaches out to pet Icarus. Icarus tries to bite him. Um, and Oolong basically is just like, well, just like Piccolo, everything for Gohan and nothing for me. And everybody laughs and Piccolo's off in front of a waterfall presumably he hears it and he harumphs and then you get yeah that's the end i will say the one funny thing about this that i thought was interesting it is one of master roshi's last appearances in the movies i think but it's also the first movie where he doesn't get a second to be pervy 
Like he's in the very beginning for a split second and he's at the very end for a split second, but he doesn't do anything in this movie that's just innately gross. He's on cooldown, yeah. perv cooldown. That's, that's fair. <laughs> so real quick, I want to talk about the timeline and where this should fit up in my theory. Basically, I've already said it. I don't think this movie exists in any of the other timelines. It cannot be in the same Dragon Ball Z world as the rest of the movies like we've previously theorized. I like to think that in this movie, Goku didn't get killed uh, by Raditz. In fact, I it, if he died, he had to have because he received training from King Kai. I like to think it could have been King Piccolo that killed him. And then afterwards, something happened where the Piccolo split off like they did in the original series. And that's how we are here, where we are. And this is the first time that he's ever seen a set of Saiyans. Vegeta and Nappa are out there somewhere. They've just not shown up yet. I, I, I like to think that they are just completely separate. If you, if you take where we're at, none of the characters that are alive in this one should be alive because they were all killed off by Vegeta and Nappa. They can't have been brought back True. yet because Piccolo was also dead. So they didn't have Dragon Balls to bring them back. They couldn't have gone to Namek because if they had gone to Namek, Goku would have just turned Super Saiyan and kicked the crap out of Turles when he first showed up. Okay, but what if the only difference is that when they wish Goku back to life, uh, they account for traversing him from King Kai to the world so that Goku is there before the Saiyans get there. He's able to take on all the Cybermen and then everything plays out like normal pretty much from there Maybe. on. Maybe. What if that's the only difference? That could be the only <laughs> difference. But then at that point, they still don't end up going back to Namek because whenever he takes on everybody, he is so destroyed from that fight that he's in the hospital for like three months. So it they they couldn't have gone to Namek to get the Dragon Balls to wish everyone back to life. So Piccolo had to have survived that fight. Right, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, the original Wish, maybe they were just like, oh yeah, we need to get him to Earth 2 somehow. Uh, and so they skip all of that coming back on Snake Way So garbage. there's no need to go to Namek ever. That makes sense. Yeah. And I like yeah, that too. That could be the difference. But regardless, I think it has to be in a separate timeline. Like, entirely. And I, I also like the idea that, like, the Saiyans are cloning people in this timeline. And maybe... That is a fun Piccolo idea. Piccolo may not even be Namekian in this timeline. He could still be considered a demon. Because remember, when Piccolo first showed up, he wasn't an alien, I don't think. They considered him just a demon. He was the demon lord Piccolo, or the demon king Piccolo. So, And Piccolo himself thought he was a demon. It's not revealed until later when Kami finds the... Um, I guess it's actually during the Namek saga. It, it's explained that Kami found his alien spaceship. Uh, but I like to think that in this movie, that's just not the case. That maybe Piccolo is still a demon. Yeah. Well, normally we would talk about what would be different if they turned this into episodes, but they already did that. Episode one was through the planting of the tree. Episode two was through the end of Gohan's Great Ape Rampage. And then episode three was to the end. Differences were they edited out all the blood. Uh, no nudity. Uh, Turles's hands were removed from Gohan's face. Check the show notes for that hilarity. Uh, and then you had mentioned that they were putting some like weird, like clip art styled censorship stuffs on fights, which was strange as well. Um, so let's jump into the Raditz scale. Um, power levels are actually all over this movie. For some reason, they had Turles in uh, an official document pegged at 19,000. But that can't be right because, number one, he says that Goku at one point is at 30,000 and climbing. Um, and two, Piccolo's at 18,000 and could do literally nothing against Turles, not even with the strongest attack. So I don't buy 19,000. It also seems weird to me that Piccolo had such a low power level in this one, because he's been pretty toe-to-toe -to -toe with Goku up until Goku shows up on Namek. Yeah, it is kind of strange. Um, I would, I would say that Goku, 
during the course of this movie, if you stick with the Kaioken times three, he's at minimum of 300,000. I agree. Or Kaioken time, times, times 10, 10 because right. the, Kaioken is just a straight up multiplier. And so Goku at minimum is 300,000. So Turles has got to be at a minimum of 300,000, probably north of that, I would, I would suggest. Because even at Kaioken times 10, Goku was on the struggle bus versus Turles. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but that's the most concrete number that we have to work with. Um, so if Turles is hanging out around or above 300,000, um, then he would be equivalent to 200 Raditzes or Radi. That's pretty crazy. Um, based on the 1,500. Yeah, especially because last movie... Uh, the villain was at 26. That's a huge <laughs> increase. But to be fair, the fruit gives Turles a huge increase in power, it seems like. It does. And it's kind of, it's, it's hinted at more in the Japanese that Turles has basically taken seeds of this tree to many planets and that all of his crew have basically eaten multiple fruits. I mean, he, we, we see him eat multiple fruits in this particular movie as yeah. well. So it's like they're additive. I don't like that though, because um, it either means one of two things. It either means that they lose that power over time because if they've done this multiple times and earth has given it the tree of might that much power, other planets they found should have given them that much power as well, which means they should be well above our, our heroes. Or they started really, really low because he is a low class say in Turlises or the other planets that they found didn't have nearly as much life on them as Earth seemed to be able to provide. That could them. be true, too. It seems weird that they're going to Earth to begin in the first place, though, if you think about the fact that they're complaining that Kakarot hasn't cleaned it off yet. Why would they be going to Earth to plant the Tree of Might if they assumed that there was a Saiyan there that had already killed off all the life? Yeah, I guess that's a good question. Um, maybe... Maybe it's because they knew the kind of planet Earth That's was. That's true. That could be true. Um, and maybe went to go see how it was holding up because it was, you know, the original plan for Earth was basically if if Goku had done what he was supposed to do was to sell it because it was habitable, which means that there was at least the opportunity for life upon it. Maybe that's what the explanation is. That could be is. fair. I like that. I like that. So that brings us into any trivia that may be left over that we weren't able to seed into the episode. And I got to be honest with you, man, I didn't find a whole lot of extra cool things in this. Really, the only thing that really stood out as being extra, I guess, was the fact that on the poster, Goku is holding his power pole and it's never once seen in this movie. And uh, there is kind of something sort of hidden. I, I say hidden. It's just really not that interesting. Yamcha is got a gi where on the front of it, uh, he's got the turtle school symbol and on the back, he's got the King Kai symbol. But every time we've seen him other, like in any other media, it's flipped. It's the reversed way. So, but that's not that interesting. It seems like they pretty much had their ducks in a row on this one. Yeah, I didn't have, I didn't dig up much either. Um, for holler minutes, uh, we come in at less than 1.93 holler oh, minutes. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, again. Yeah, holler minutes. Now, there was a lot of yelling, but it was mostly in pain because like all of the good guys get the crap kicked out of them for the almost the entirety of this movie. And so there's a lot of pain shouting, um, but not a lot of offensive hollering. Um, so let's jump into raiding. Yes. Uh, do you want to go first? Or I'll shall go first. I? Um, I give this a 2.5 out of 7. Oof. Okay. Is that higher or lower than you expected me to give? I vacillated between 2.5 and 3 myself. Yeah. The only um, reason I gave it a 0.5 was because they did that cool thing with the opening that I like. If it had just been the yeah. Ocean Dub version where it introed with Rock the Dragon, I don't know, Rock the Dragon's worth 0.5 in my mind. That's a kick-ass intro. <laughs> but otherwise, I would have given it a 2. 
Yeah, see, I my lowest score that I've awarded anything so far was the English dub of Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. Um, and I gave that movie a 3.5. And I definitely think that I would like that one better than I like Tree of Might. So I I just landed at a 3. Turles looking like Goku feels lazy. Yeah. It goes entirely unexplained. Even if the meta reason is to show us what Goku might have been like if he didn't get bonked on the head as a kid, there is no in-universe explanation given, so it's just jarring when every other Goku clone, and I, I use that term now, not having... <laughs> not it, meaning my version uh, of cloning. <laughs> yeah, not meaning your version of it. Every other Goku clone has a reasonable explanation. The spear bomb stuff doesn't make any sense to me. The Z-Warriors are not utilized well. They're just there to get beat up on, I guess, as if to show just how strong the bad guys are so that we get a sense of scale when Goku takes all five of them on at the same time, but we already know how Goku is stronger than them, so it's wasted. The undoing of the devastation at the end of the movie feels very hand-wavy. I think that it would have been better if they had, if they were going to sh- uh, summon Shenron when the tree gets planted, and that wish gets interrupted by the tree, and then they do all this stuff, and then they get around to making the wish, because the forest would have been restored as a part of that as well. That feels the much more Dragon Ball-y way of resolving this movie, and that would have made more sense to me than this weird way that they I did like it. I like that better, too. So. Like, I feel like that could have narratively flowed better. The weird thing is, at the end of this, like all the people may be alive, but we've seen the Tree of Might has wrecked cities, and at the end, we even see the people yeah. just in the wreckage. So, like... Everyone's just screwed for a couple of months until the Z fighters can collect the Dragon Balls again. Yep. So yep. I don't know. This movie so, does uh, not leave a lasting impression on me. Tree of Might, meh. Two point five for me. No, not for me. Three and three. I feel You're like I said I was torn between two point five and yeah. three. Yeah. Well, next up for us, we're doing something a little different. In fact, the next couple of weeks or uh, next couple of episodes for Kyo Cinema are going to be pretty different. Um. For two weeks from now, we are going to watch two uh, Dragon Ball Z offerings. The first one being Bardock, the father of Goku, which is about a 40 minute long deal that you can find on iTunes. Uh, And then the second one is another kind of shorter OVA called Episode of Bardock, which is only about 20 minutes. And you should be able to find that on YouTube. Um, It didn't really have an official release that most people would have easy access to. So uh, unless you have Dragon Ball Z for Connect, um, apparently it came with that and and have the Connect sensor, which you need to be able to like use the menus in that game, then YouTube is going to be your best shot. But we're going to cover both of the Bardock episodes together. I know that episode of Bardock is going to be kind of further out in the future. It was done much later, um, but it just makes also some sense to go ahead and do both of the Bardock things together, given their length and Coincidentally, we're going to be talking uh, more about these Goku clones because uh, this falls chronologically. So the Bardock, the father of Goku, would be next chronologically. That's that's how we landed at uh, tackling this. I'm really next. looking forward to that because I I watched the episode that you're talking about when it came out and really liked it, and went back and rewatched the Bar- Bardock, father of Goku short, and I love it. Like I remember really enjoying that a lot. I think it's such a cool kind of just prequel to everything that we know. You know what I mean? It sets up the show and some of the movies so nicely. And Bardock is making a little bit of a comeback in the Dragon Ball Super manga, if you're reading that. Um, and that has been a delightful read. Um, I've caught all the way back up, so now I'm at that place where I have to wait a month between uh, chapters, which is a yeah, bummer. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, but I think that'll wrap us up for today's episode of Kaio Cinema. What do you think? I believe so. So Dragon Ball Z colon Bardock 
Dash, the father of Goku, and Dragon Ball colon episode of Bardock for uh, two weeks from now. Then we get into some really interesting stuff because the next episode that we cover is going to be Dragon Ball colon fights on Goku, wins on Goku, the live action Korean Dragon Ball movie. I am super I am stoked too. to finally get to that watch one's that. That one's going to be a blast. Uh, well, if you enjoyed this episode of Kaio Cinema and you like all things anime, in this case, we have another show for you that releases actually our next episode this coming Monday covering My Hero Academia, where we are following the anime and releasing notes on it. And we're also reading Vigilantes, which is kind of like a side story that takes place a handful of years before the manga or the main series. It's a blast. And if you're looking for something to fill your time every other Monday, go check out Almighty Podcast. It is our other show. Our other show. Our first, our first show. show. This one kind of spun yes, out of that one. Yes. It was all going to wrap back around to Dragon Ball Z somehow. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but anyways, we'll see everyone in a couple of weeks and hope to see you for Almighty Podcast next Monday. See you guys.